If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, I'm watching... uh I'm watching, what congressman is that again? Uh, James Comer. He's the head of the Oversight Committee, and he just came out of the FBI. He's still mad. He hasn't seen all the information he needs to see. However, I think he did see the key document. He saw what he what he was looking for, and uh, he says it is very much consistent with all the other stuff they found about Joe Biden, that he was taking bribes uh, back when he was vice president. That's what they're uh, investigating. It's a strong possibility at this point that Joe Biden was taking bribes as a sitting vice president and influencing policy, um, doing favors for people who paid him. It's incredible. And I'm watching right now. It's on Fox. It's not on MSNBC. It's not on uh, anything else. Um, it's a very, very, very significant story. I mean, gosh, you know, for two years, we looked at uh, uh, Jamie Raskin. Every time he heard a rumor about something, uh, it would be wall-to-wall coverage. This is real stuff. The guy just stepped out of the FBI building. And uh, he saw, what do they call it, a 1023, a D-1023. That's a form they use to uh, take information from confidential human sources. It's not a classified document. It's not top secret. Um, the, the American people have every right to see it, and I, I hope we do. It's incredible that they're just looking, not even looking the other way, pretending, denying reality. You know, I saw that uh, we all saw Joe Biden take that horrible fall, right? That's a big deal. I'm sorry. He's 80 years old. He's losing it mentally, physically. He takes a spill like that, can barely get up, needs all kinds of help. He blames a sandbag. There's no evidence, oh, by the way, that there was a sandbag there. Oh, I got sandbagged. There's no evidence of that. So it's a big deal, and they pretended it didn't happen, literally pretended it didn't happen. And, of course, nothing about the other falls. Other times he stumbled uh Lost himself, you know, going up Air Force One, coming down from Air Force One, those steps in uh, Japan, falling off the bike. These are real things. Something horrible, something catastrophic is going to happen to him. He's going to bash his head open. uh, He's going to break his legs so badly that a bone pops out of the skin, a compound fracture. And this is, I've been saying this for years, literally. He's got to slow down. He can't do this phony walk anymore. And probably he should be in a wheelchair. Uh, but they don't listen, and he keeps fake running, and he's falling down as a result. But anyway, look, the signature shows yesterday, the big, big, big fake news shows. And I guess, hey, look, um, it's another reminder that it's fake news. But still, I was astonished. I was shocked. I could not believe it. I was dumbfounded. <laughs> All right. I, I was laying it on a little much, but I really was. I kept on telling to my, my wife, can you believe what we're witnessing here? She didn't really uh Share my outrage. She's like, yeah, it's the fake news. What do you expect? Um, but I thought they had to cover Joe Biden's falling down. These big political Sunday shows, the week in review shows, they, you know, they look back. That's what they do. It's this week. 
where it started with this week with David Brinkley. Not really this coming week. It's like what happened last week. That's what it is. They rehash all that stuff, and there's a little bit of what could come next. But Meet the Press did not mention it. Um, CBS Face the Nation did not mention it. Uh, Fox News Sunday did not mention it. Fox News Sunday, the prestige broadcast of Fox News, did not mention it. I got to triple check that. I am. I can't. It's. I mean, look, they didn't even report the Durham report when it came out. Fox News Sunday. I noticed the host there, Shannon, living the dream bream, is just bending over backwards to say, hey, everybody, I'm not conservative. Uh, hey, everybody, I'm fair to the left. Hey, everybody, yeah, don't worry about me. I am, uh, I'm not like the others at Fox, just like Chris Wallace used to do. Uh, what else? Uh, it was on Martha Raddatz for about 10 seconds at the end of the show. And then I read in the New York Times that everybody in the Democrat Party is actually talking about this. It's got everybody worried. The donor class, the, uh, the people who actually run that party, who pick the next president of the United States, because this is not a democracy, really. They are horrified by what they saw, and they're trying to figure out what to do next. And they pretend it didn't happen. This is like TASS. Who remembers TASS? The Russian Soviet News Agency TASS. You know, Leonid Brezhnev could throw up uh, at a banquet and uh, a thousand people in the room. They don't report it. They didn't report it. Uh, a leader could drop dead. Konstantin Chernenko could drop dead. And they're not going to get around to reporting it for four days until they're sure that everything is in place. For them to, that's kind of what we're living in right now. It's And here I am talking about it. What do they say about me? He's an insurrectionist. He's a racist. He's horrible. He's this. He's that. He's an election denier. I mean, the horrible things they call our side. And our side, oh, by the way, is getting smaller and smaller. You can't count on Fox News anymore. I mean, forget it. You just can't. And uh, you know what a lot of I t- talked I've been talking about this, this is on my mind, conservative media. What they do is they have to rely on the liberal media to do the work for them. They do the work and we bitch about it. I saw it at noon on uh and look, I can I do this myself sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> we gotta fix it. We gotta we have to be more proactive when it comes to the truth. You know, just ripping on what everybody else says, but they're still saying it and people are still hearing it and people are still believing it. Yes, and we call it out, we complain, and, you know, that makes for possibly good radio, possibly good TV, possibly a good tweet. But does it move the needle? Does it Does it get people thinking? Now, we're trusting the American people to figure this out for themselves, and they they do. But we have to help them. We have to. I mean, they're just going to kind of go off their gut. we got to give them facts. we got to give them data. We have to give them access to... And it's got to be digestible. Most people are working. Most people can't read the Durham report. That was a big eye-opener for me. I read the hell out of that thing, backwards and forwards, and broke my ass trying to break it down. And uh, and I did. I'm very proud of what I did, actually. Uh, but most of the coverage, to the extent that there was coverage, was minuscule. You know, three Wall Street Journal articles, two New York Post articles. Yeah, but it was on the front page. Well, front page news... <laughs> Uh, nobody reads the paper anymore. The paper, the paper. It evaporates in seconds and, uh, and it's over. You gotta be relentless. There's gotta be relentless follow up and follow up and pound and pound and pound. That's what they do. They do it with lies. We should do it with the truth. Don't you think? What an opportunity. We must do it with the truth. Here at WABC, that's happening. Newsmax, that's happening. We need help. 
conservative media is too disparate, all over the place, scattered. A lot of, a lot of very smart people saying things on Facebook and Twitter. Oh, that's so smart. Oh, that's so interesting. Then on to the next. On to the next. Hey, um, oh, what I have to do right now is tell everybody. First of all, it is still Pride Month, right? They didn't call it off. Yeah, it's still Pride Month. It's the biggest thing in the world. And, uh, let's see what's going on here. Uh, uh, yeah, all the morning shows, flags everywhere, corporate America embracing it, academia embracing it, schools embracing it. It's everywhere you go. And to this, to the extent that, let's face it, they're going after kids. They're targeting children. Uh, that's what they want. I pointed out, uh, last week, I'm researching this, the environmentalists, they have a big hand in this. Because they want the population to go down. They want people to not have kids. And if you're LGBTQ+, plus, it's you're less likely to have kids. Right? Right. So I think that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why it's being pushed. You know, it's amazing. I was watching the uh, the Hoda and Kathy Lee stuff, and then I switched to GMA. And they've got monstrosity after a hideous display, after just garbage. I mean... This woman actually says, I'm sickening. I'm sickening. She was a guest on RuPaul's Drag Race. And she goes, hello, everybody. I'm sickening. Like, sickening is now, like, the, a, a good thing. You want to be sickening. I guess I've kind of heard that. That was sick. Uh, the kids today, you know, they're always uh, uh, updating the cool lingo. So it was sick, but it literally was sickening. This beast was sitting there. A beast. I'm sorry, but there's no redeeming value in any of this. It'd be one thing if this man put on woman's clothes and could really dance or could juggle or play the guitar or sing. But I've noticed this with almost all the drag community, quite frankly, some exceptions, but they have no talent. They just wear the clothes for shock value or something like that. And this one, it's on Good Morning America. And I thought to myself, imagine... Imagine if they had a discussion about Jesus Christ at that same moment. How many, how many complaints would they get from their sponsors? Hmm? How much controversy would that stir up? Hmm? Um, I notice every time they have Joel Osteen on, which they do from time to time when he has a new book, they always have to ask him, you know, well, uh, about that time that you were revealed to be and about that uh, report that said that you, you know, it's, it's quite frankly hostile. Um, and it's right back to the, to the orgy fest, right? To the great big, you, they have succeeded. Well, they haven't succeeded. They think they've succeeded. They've succeeded with a lot of people. You can't talk about God, but you can talk about any kind of sexual thing you're into and be celebrated and be elevated and immediately be granted status and even avenues to fame and success and money. Although most people won't make uh, money out of it, but they'll be drawn to it. They'll try. Society is collapsing. I mean, a society where you can fly these damn flags around all over the place. I was at the zoo yesterday. The zoo. Now, who likes going to the zoo? Uh, everybody. <laughs> everybody. Parents and kids. All right. It's primarily a kid thing, wouldn't you say? Um have you ever gone to the zoo by yourself as a as an adult male? Probably not. Although it's probably whatever. Anybody, everybody likes the zoo, but it's particularly a place for children. And what did they have flying there at the zoo, right next to the damn sea lions? 
a great big trans gay pride flag. Why? Why? What is, where is it coming from? And imagine, imagine if there was a flag of the Archdiocese of New York. Hmm? What if somebody started praying? You think they'd be shouted down or you think people would stop and listen? Uh, this is really dangerous. Hey, John, what is your deal? Hello? Hey, uh, Greg, it's, uh, John here. And, uh, what I will say, you, you heard you talking about Shannon, and, uh, you mentioned her that, uh, she's up the up. Is that what you're saying? I say what? Shannon, you're talking about Shannon Brady being, uh, not saying stuff. I hate to say it, but Ron Oxman bought off with his sons and daughters. And the bottom line is, if you, you got Hannity, Eagles, all these people, they're trying to do what they can't do. They can't just walk away like Bill, Bill O'Reilly did. And I'm not. I'm not. Did. I'm not. I'm not telling them to quit. I'm not saying. Look, it's an observation, John. I don't understand what your beef is. Why you're calling the radio station? The point is that something horrific happened to Joe Biden, and it needed to be reported. And on the so-called conservative outlet. Uh, they didn't. They didn't report it. They didn't talk about it. Now, uh, am I not supposed to talk? Oh, Shannon Bream has a job and she has bosses or whatever. This is a wake-up call, man. All right, we all have to do more. Every single one of us. You too, John. Instead of calling and somehow spinning for uh, for Shannon Bream, who the hell cares? These people. I mean, I get it. People have bosses, but uh, I have a voice, and so do you. Uh. They're trying to alter reality. They are. And the Murdochs, oh, by the way, let's face it, they want to stop Trump and help DeSantis. And somehow with this reporting truthfully, they, they didn't even report the damn Durham report for crying out loud. All right. Should I do one more? No, no. You got me all, you got me all fired up. And that's good. Wait, what's going on there? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take a chill pill. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, China doesn't seem to be one bit afraid of uh, America right now, itching, itching for a fight. My friend Gordon Chang says that we need to be prepared for a fight, as in buy water and food. Check out Four Patriots, though, by the way. Seriously, uh, I'm doing it. I want to have a pantry that will get me by at least, uh, I don't know, three months, six months. I am not, I am not going to be waiting online. I am not going to be, uh, ransacking or part of a riot. I am going to be hunkered down. I am going to be hungry. I'm talking about if the grid were to go down, if China did attack, which really could happen. All right. So, um, and, and why? Oh, by the way, why would they? Well, uh, Joe Biden is compromised and, uh, it seems like it's, I mean, the, the Chinese and most of the world seem to have something on him. James Comer just came out of the FBI building and spoke to uh, reporters about what he found, uh, that document, and uh, what's the deal here, Congressman Comer? Could they end up... No, 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 the other one first, the other one first that I sent you, please. Congressman Comer, tell us what the deal is. This document was dated, I think you all know this, from the subpoena on July 30th, 2020. The claims made in the document are consistent with what we found and disclosed to you all in Romania. It suggests a pattern of bribery where payments would be made 
through shell accounts and multiple banks. And there's a term for that. It's called money laundering. And that, again, is what the, the majority of the suspicious activity reports also said. So we feel that this accusation is consistent with a pattern that we're seeing, frankly, in other countries, too. And, and multiple yes. documents? We believe there are multiple documents. Could they end up showing more Biden family business dealings with other countries? This document was dated, I think you all know this, from the subpoena in July 30th, 2020. Okay. Well, we should have known about that back in uh, 2020. So I think the thing is they did not let them keep the documents or make copies of them, and they're upset and they want to, uh, I guess, hold uh, Christopher Ray in contempt. Is that what's going on? There's one more from Comer, right? Is there another one, please? Let's go ahead and uh, let me know. Is there? Did you just play them back-to-back or what? All right, never mind. Um, we'll see what happens. You know, Christopher Ray, my goodness gracious, he's uh, Chris Christie's best pal. Uh, he got Chris Christie off during Bridgegate. Uh, this is uh, not a guy to be trusted. I, I, as a, unfortunately, the FBI is not to be trusted. They have screwed up everything. Hey, hey, tell me, why would Louis Free be writing uh, big checks to the Biden family? Louis Free, former director of the FBI, a New Jersey guy, if I'm not mistaken, wrote massive checks to Hunter and Haley Biden. Just out of the goodness of uh, uh, in his heart. Right. Is that what he was doing? This is after he left the FBI. This is, I believe, right after Joe Biden left the vice presidency or not before. Why would that happen? It's the swamp. You pay for access. You pay for you pay for tips. You pay for business. You pay for hookups. Right. One hundred thousand dollars to the Bidens and get a three million dollar contract somewhere, maybe in Hungary, maybe someplace like that. Is that what happened? All right. Is the Matt Walsh thing ready? Uh do we have time? All right, I'll play it after the break. So Matt Walsh is an amazing guy. He's with the Daily Wire, I believe. He was a radio host in Delaware. I don't know all that much about him, but he's a superstar now in this film. Uh, what is a woman? It's hilarious. It's entertaining. It's heartbreaking. It's important. And you can watch it for free. You can watch it for free, uh, at least if you're on Twitter. It's right there. And it's free to join Twitter, oh, by the way. I watched the whole thing. It's only an hour and a half. You don't want to miss it. I'm going to play some highlights when I come back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, enough of the the hard stuff. You want to hear something beautiful? We call this baby talk. So uh, uh, usually my daughter sees me off in the morning. Today, schedule's got a little bit... uh, Turned around and I saw her off. She was off with the, with the nanny and, uh, her sister. And this is our little, uh, our little conversation, uh, just before she got on the elevator. Go ahead. Honey, here I go. I'm pressing the button. Down or up? As a yeah. What are you going to get for me today? I'm going to get macaroni. You can have the yellow one. I love the yellow one. Have a good day, okay? Yeah. Bye. And be nice to your sister and Janet, okay? Okay. Bye. Love you. Okay. <laughs> okay. And uh, no kidding, she uh, remembered the macaroni. Uh, she <laughs> gave me macaroni. There's a macaroni was on. Uh, anyway, it's an amazing thing. An amazing thing watching them grow up. Uh, she's three. The other one, Madeline, is one. 
And uh, it's uh, it's a miracle every single day. It really is. It's an amazing thing. All right. So what else is going on? Oh yeah, the um, uh, what is a woman documentary? The what is a woman documentary? This is uh, is really important. Everybody should watch it. You know, this uh, whole transgender mess, as Donald Trump calls it, is taking over corporate America. Everything, schools, academia, you name it. Uh, they're doing it. The military. Well, Matt Walsh says, uh, mm-mm, let's, uh, let's see what the hell's going on here. Great documentary. Anybody could watch it for free. Here's the trailer. You ready for this? Okay. Uh, what is a woman by Matt Walsh? Go ahead. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Sex is what's between the legs and gender is what's between the ears. But that doesn't mean they're actually in those things. You are a loudmouth bully. But there's one thing he never lost. Are you a virgin? Well, you know, for me, the the first objective Matt the Virgin has lost a lot of friends. What? That sounds like a... Oh. Are you a virgin? Well, you know, for me... Hold the, on a second. I watched the, the movie. This doesn't sound at all familiar. What the hell's going on? All right. That made... Uh, virgin? I don't think that was in the movie. I missed two minutes of it when I got up to get something. Could, could that have been in it? Um, so he goes around and he talks to these academics about, okay, um, you know, these woke academics, these leftist ac- academics trying to find out what's going on here. And they ask, what is a woman? And not one of them can actually answer the question. Um, they don't want to answer the question. They don't want to refer to biology. They want uh, gender to be something that um, you you can think of. If you identify as a woman, therefore you are a woman. If you identify as an aardvark, therefore you are an aardvark. <laughs> And they want children to be able to make these decisions uh, and uh, undergo radical, irreversible surgery, which is totally sick. I mean, that's sick in and of itself. And the surgery itself, I mean, <laughs> if you're a woman and you want to become a man, you know what they have to make you? Uh, they have to make you a penis. And you know how they do it? They do it with uh, by taking skin from your forearm. It's crazy stuff. And actually, I think the, the forearm is uh, it's a very sensitive uh, part. You think about it. Your forearm is a little bit kind of like ticklish, right? Anyway, they take skin from your forearm, and there's a big hole in your forearm, and they can craft you a penis or actually some sort of a makeshift vagina. And they're doing this to children, and then there are people who regret it, who actually think, uh-oh, I made a big mistake. So it's such a... Insane thing that's happening. It's been forced on us. Somehow this is considered acceptable. This is considered mainstream. What does Joe Biden do? He says, I've got your back. To all the transgender kids out there, you got to know that this president has your back. What does it actually mean? Well, what it means is uh, lack of parental notification. All right? What it means is biological men participating in women's or girls' sports and totally dominating and ruining the experience for for girls, um, it's it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. And the idea that I can grab an LGBTQ flag, run down the street uh, with a bunch of kids, and uh, I could even dress up as a woman and, and, and form a semicircle and uh, talk about that stuff, that that would be more embraced by our broken world than if I were to, I don't know, start talking about God and religion on the radio. 
Hmm? Or on television. A lot of people, it makes them, well, who cares what it makes them? Who cares what it makes them? It's the truth. It's the ultimate truth. And we're supposed to, we're not supposed to, no, 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 no. Just keep your head down and, and wear that stupid pin and go with it. Go with the flow. Don't create any waves. Just accept this stuff. Well, I can't. And neither can you. Um, who else is getting a list of GOP candidates for president expected to grow by three this week? Chris Christie is getting in. No chance. Uh, already went through that with uh, you last week. Uh, some guy named, I have no idea what his name is, but he's the governor of North Dakota. <laughs> I mean, talk about chutzpah. I don't care. Whoever the governor of North Dakota is, you can't be my president. You just can't. I mean, it's one thing if you uh, achieved, I don't know, I, some sort of massive accomplishment in your life. I don't care what the hell he did in North Dakota. North Dakota is about 20% the size of Brooklyn and uh, in terms of population. And you think you can be president? No, you can't, all right? Uh, and the other guy is Mike Pence. I am seriously considering a run for president. Donald Trump was wrong. You can't undo an election. And the idea that one man could undo the election is so thoroughly un-American. Uh, that's not actually what we were talking about, okay? Uh, everything that we were talking about was following the law, the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And oh, by the way, we have a Supreme Court to figure out, because sometimes good people, great people can disagree about what uh, a law means, right? We see it all the time, five to four decisions. They didn't go to the Supreme Court, did they? They went to broken-down, bitter judge, ex-judge, never made it to the Supreme Court, Mike Ludig, who worked for an airplane company. No kidding. He was an airplane lawyer. In, just some guy. And they got him to tell Mike Pence, uh, you can't do anything but uh, what the swamp tells you to do. Don't listen to Trump. And uh, that was enough for Mike Pence and his uh, weirdo enforcer, a guy named Mark Short. So um, Pence is getting in it. And here's why Pence is never going to be president. Number one, nobody likes him. All right? Nobody likes him. He has no charisma. He has no skills as a campaigner. Yeah, I know. He got elected governor of Indiana. Well, if I wanted to, I could get myself elected governor of Indiana. But I don't want to. All right? I just don't want to. But I could. But I don't want to. It's not a big a deal. It's not, it's not a big deal. And uh, President Trump made him vice president, made his career. And this is disloyal. This is absolutely disloyal. He could wait four years. Uh, what else about him? Oh, the big thing is he could have avoided. He could have, you know, January 6th, there was a lot of, well, anticipation and expectation and hope that under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, he would straighten out some of these things, these matters sending the electoral votes back to, say, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, for the state legislature to straighten out, to double-check. And if they sent them back and said, you know what, we looked at it again, and these votes, yeah, Biden won, okay. But I don't think that's what they would have found. But anyway, he chose not to do it. And the, the analogy is this. You know, imagine if they, uh, you know, these things are actually decided. Let Elections are run by the state, right? They're they're administered by the state. According to the U.S. Constitution, they have to be administered by the state. States, states, not the federal government. And uh, you're voting for electors, uh, legislators, basically, and they come together in the state capitol and they figure out who the um, who the winner is. 
and they count up the votes. And oh, by the way, there's not actual obligation that they vote in one way or another in many states, but whatever. Imagine if they took all those people hostage in Harrisburg and just put them in a room at gunpoint and said, you guys are all going to vote for, let's, uh, Joe Biden or else. I'm going to go home. We're, you're, you're, we're going to blow up the building and they all voted for Joe Biden. And let's say Mike Pence found out about that two or three days later. <laughs> Would he be compelled to just vote, count those votes as if nothing happened? Of course not. And under the Electoral Count Act, there's a provision, and they changed it. Oh, by the way, they changed that damn thing because it did afford him that <clears throat> leeway and that latitude. It's pretty amazing right now. I'm looking at Trump on television on three different screens almost. He's <laughs> And yesterday, I counted the references. I'm going to have my team actually double-check. But it looks like there were um, basically four references to Trump for every one reference to Biden. Four references to ex-President Trump, and I think future President Trump, for every one reference to Joe Biden. Isn't that <coughs> isn't that just crazy? Isn't that wild? And what does it tell us? I don't know. what, what What's the takeaway? Um, is he just better for TV? Hey, what's going on at CNN? So there are a bunch of big stories about CNN, how it's uh, going down the tubes. And here's one thing. The guy who runs CNN, he's an interesting guy. His name is Chris Licht. He's been there for about a year. I met him once at a uh, one of those big banquets. I forgot the event, but it was at Cipriani, and I happened to be sitting next to him. Very thoughtful guy. This is about 10 years ago. And um, <clears throat> I liked him, but never spoke to him again. I actually wish I had. Because I would have told him, I would have given him some advice. I think one of the things he's done here, because there's a whole uh, crazy sect within the media that's just obsessed with who the executives are at MSNBC, at CNN, at Fox, and what they're doing and saying about each other, right? There are only about 600 people in the world who care about this stuff. The audience does not care. <laughs> and I think what he did, what he did was... Uh, that was the first time I ever uh, successfully used the cough switch. There's a button there, and you can press it, so you're coughing your head off. Sorry, I should have learned how to use that button a long time ago. Anyway, you can't worry about what people are saying about you, especially if it's just the elite media. It's the audience that you got to take care of, serve the audience. I think he took his eye off the ball and started worrying about what other people were thinking. You know, he did want to, I think, make CNN a place that was safe for people who were not liberals. Um. What's wrong with that? Well, the <laughs> liberals hate it. Liberals hate that idea. Hate that idea. Um, and it, it's all partisan all the time. He may not be able to stay in that job. They just appointed a number two to essentially, I don't know, usually when they appoint a big, powerful number two, they're on the verge of uh, becoming number one. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Chuck Todd is leaving Meet the Press. Uh about time. I uh, again, he could not. He could not have revealed himself. Uh, let's see here. Cut twenty-four, please. Cut twenty-four. I have a personal announcement. Well, today is not my final show. This is going to be my final summer here at Meet the Press. It's been an amazing, nearly decade-long run. I'm pretty, really proud of what this team and I have built over the last decade, and frankly, the last fifteen-plus years that I've been here at NBC, which also includes my time as political director. I've lo- loved so much of this job helping to explain America to Washington and explain Washington to America. When I took over Meet the Press, it was a Sunday show that had a lot of people questioning whether it could still have a place in the modern media space. Well, I think we've answered that question and then some. We've taken Meet the Press from a single Sunday show to a distinct 
an important political franchise. From our daily show, Meet the Press Now, our magazine show, Meet the Press Reports, what? to our newsletters and podcasts, we've successfully expanded what makes Meet the Press special. All right, the show stinks. To make- Keep going, though. I have a personal announcement. No, no, I don't want to hear it again. Um, uh, oh, I know what I don't like about that. He's He announces his departure. But it's this is his last summer. The summer's a long time, so he gets three months, right? He now he knows he's leaving in three months. This doesn't happen for anybody else in the world, right? Most most of these jobs, you're 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 there one day, you're gone the next. You get fired, you're gone. All right, two weeks notice, you're gone. You quit, you two weeks notice. This is my last week. This is my last show. I mean, the idea that he gets to it out three months ahead of time. Politicians get that. Right? Politicians, even if they lose, they've got two months left in office. Uh, university presidents, that's very obnoxious. I think it was the guy at Columbia who announced his, uh, I will be leaving the university in the fall of 2026. What? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean uh, a lot can happen between now and then. People will get hired, lose jobs in that time frame, two jobs, three jobs. It's just... I don't like it. I kind of resent it. It's very elitist, don't you think? And who's coming next? Cut 25. I'm also ready to take a step back because I have so much confidence in the person whom I'm going to pass the baton to. She's somebody who's been ready for this for a long time. Kristen Walker. Well, I've had the privilege of working with her from essentially her first day here in Washington. And let me just say she's the right person in the right moment. Wrong. And for what it's worth, this is always how I hoped this would end for me that I'd be passing the baton to her. And I'll officially do that in September. I'll be honest, though, I leave feeling concerned about this moment in history, but reassured by the standards we've set here. We didn't tolerate propagandists, and this network and program never will. But it doesn't mean sticking your head in the sand either. If you ignore reality, you'll miss the biggest story. Being a real political journalist isn't about building a brand. Stop for a second. You hear what he just said about sticking your head in the sand and ignoring reality? This He's saying this at the end of the show where they did not talk about Joe Biden falling on stage. Falling. They didn't talk about that. They just ignored it. I mean, they just blew it off. It's not news. Of course it's news. They're all talking about it behind the scenes. Kristen Welker. This is the one who, um, who basically uh, ran interference for Joe Biden, uh, saved him, turned the discussion from Hunter Biden's laptop to the topic of race, which was an issue that, let's face it, uh, the way the whole debate and campaign was framed was somehow going to work better for Joe Biden. Just another passing the baton, passing the meet the press baton. Is that what I heard? The meet, what does, what does that thing look like? I should come up with a baton, a baton for meet the press. What would we use? Hmm. What about the, uh, you know, when you're done with the toilet paper and the cardboard tube, that little thing? Yeah, that'll be the baton. Meet the fake news right on the side of the toilet paper cardboard tube. Be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. <clears throat> they found more victims, right, in that building in Davenport, Iowa. It's unbelievable. I don't know if you saw what I did on Newsmax on Friday night. So uh, Davenport, Iowa. I've heard of it. I think Nancy Reagan's from Davenport, Iowa, for some reason. Um, anyway, that building collapsed on a Sunday. And the very next day, the very next day, that Davenport mayor comes out and uh, says, uh, we're giving up. There's, <laughs> we're just uh, 
But listen to what he said. Cut 27. The mayor says crews spent hours searching the wreckage overnight and have now stopped looking for survivors. Rescue is over. And now it's about recovery. Recovery and what are we doing with the building? And as of now, there's no one under there that you know about? That we know about. How concerned are you that that may change? There's always a concern. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I mean, that we know about? (laughs) There's always a concern, but we got to figure out what we're going to do with this building. Um. Let's see here. Um, cut 28. More than a week after the deadly quake, there are still near miraculous reports of new survivors rescued. To the heroic rescues, 10 days after a devastating earthquake leveled parts of Turkey and Syria. Just today, a team pulled five members from a single family who were trapped for 129 hours. That's more than five days. I've heard of that happening before. Haven't you? People under the rubble being found. On nine, I think after 9-11, people were found a day or so later. And what did the Davenport mayor say the very next day? Cut 29. And as of now, there's no one under there that you know about. That we know about. <laughs> but we got to figure out what we're going to do with this building. Meanwhile, the poor people of Davenport. I mean, this is what happens when you go woke. This is what this is what happens when woke. Davenport is a very woke place. Very woke mayor. I looked it up. They got a big, thriving diversity, equity, and inclusion program. The mayor goes out to the Black Lives Matter protests and takes a knee for George Floyd, all that crap. Um, government is for serving society, not rearranging it. That's up to the people, not you guys. Not you guys. And when I saw that mayor taking a knee for George Floyd, oh, I, I I'm sure you felt great virtue signaling, right? Especially since given you're Caucasian, hmm? What about taking care of public safety? What did Trump say about all this woke crap? Cut 26. Wokeism makes you lose, ruins your mind, and ruins you as a person. You become warped. You become demented. It's really true. It is so true. We just don't have the capacity. We don't have the time. We don't have the bandwidth for all this nonsense. I mean, think about what we were like before woke. When were we, when was this stuff like not happening? You got to go back a while, right? What, the first term of Obama, maybe even before then? I don't know. Uh, life was hard back then. Just being all we could be, <laughs> doing our jobs. That was, that took commitment and a challenge and sometimes you were successful and sometimes you weren't you throw all this other stuff that's not helping anybody with the bottom line i see apple is coming out with a new product uh for the first time in 10 years apple has not come out with anything significant or new in 10 years a technology company you look at my iphone right here it's the same damn iphone from uh 15 years ago it's it looks the same it feels the same it is the same well, what about the new processor? Shut up. It's a li- it's it's one microsecond faster. I don't care. Well, what about the iPad? Well, what about the iPad? That's been around since 2010. Look at today's iPad. It's just like the old pi- iPad. Well, it has a new CPU. Shut up. It's the same old crap. We are falling behind. We are slipping. We are losing it. Our best and brightest minds are concerned with the most idiotic stuff. 
Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches Vacation.com. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How dare President Trump praise Kim Jong-un? Is that what he did? What happened here? What happened here? He uh, he said, congratulations to Kim Jong-un for being allowed to the executive committee of the World Health Organization, the WHO. <laughs> Number one, the WHO did that, Kim Jong-un. You see what Trump is doing here. He's having fun, all right? He's doing a couple of things. Number one, he's slamming the WHO. He's slamming. This is a slam of the WHO. Everybody is misreading this. So he puts this out on Trump Truth. Congratulations to Kim Jong-un on his appointment to the WHO, the World Health Organization. Now, does anybody know how absurd it is that Kim Jong-un is being placed on the World Health Organization and they got famine in that country, all right? They don't, he doesn't know the first thing. But this is, this is how the United Nations operates. You have some of the most dictatorial, authoritarian, anti-human rights regimes who serve on the Human Rights Council. It will be on the UN Human Rights Council. This is how screwed up it is. And that's what he's highlighting. But the amateurs that are, well, a lot of people, but especially, uh, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, I, I just, I, I, I am, I cannot, I cannot tolerate what President Trump said. Can I hear from Nikki Haley about this? She was at the, uh, she fell for the trap. Go ahead. What did you make of Donald Trump congratulating Kim Jong-un? Well, what I'll say is let's not forget Kim Jong-un is a thug, thug and a tyrant. And he has tested ballistic missiles against our allies. He's threatened us. There's nothing to congratulate him about. I mean, he's been terrible to his people. He's been terrible to America. And we need to stop being nice to countries that hate America. What did you make? Don't be nice to countries that hate him. Don't be. Ni- he's not doing that. He's highlighting. This is a again a slam of yes everything that that you just said. But then again, you know what? Sometimes when you're the president, look, Trump has a really good shot at coming back as president. Nikki Haley doesn't. So Nikki Haley's words don't mean anything. President Trump's words mean a lot. And if he wants to talk to Kim Jong Un, and by the way, I actually think that's a good thing. I thought. It's amazing. Our, we elect these people for a reason. We want them to represent us. But they think they should all report to the State Department. And Pence, too. Pence, not uh, not impressive here. He, uh, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't understand what was really going. He took the bait. Go ahead. Uh, the World Health Organization let uh, America and the world down during the COVID pandemic. And oh, wait, so far, so good. So far, in, so in good. Covering up what was happening uh, in China. And we held them to account. Uh, during our administration. But look, whether it's my former running mate or anyone else, no one should be praising uh, the dictator in North Korea or or praising uh, the, uh, the 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 leader of Russia who has launched uh, an unprovoked war of aggression in Ukraine. This is a time when we ought to make it clear to the world that we stand for freedom and we stand with those who stand for freedom. What does that so the mean? World Health- what does that mean? The stand. I mean, we stand with those. Sooner or later, you're going to have to sit down with your enemies. Sooner or later, you're going to have to do that. Now, if you run around calling Vladimir Putin a war criminal, is that going to happen? 
Is that going to actually, uh, will those words facilitate that? Like Trump said at the town hall meeting, then he'll fight to the, he'll fight, he'll just, what, they're going to arrest him and bring him to the Hague and chop off his head if you start calling him a war criminal. Sun Tzu, the ancient Chinese war philosopher who is required reading to this day in the United States military, said you must build your opponent a golden bridge on which to retreat. You know, so much about life is uh, saving face and having face and not being embarrassed and all that kind of stuff. You have to think about these. Anyway, it was a slam of the World Health Organization. And uh, the World Health Organization is uh, a very problematic group. And uh, Donald Trump was onto it very early on. Go ahead with, uh, with the red tie clip. This is early during COVID. Go ahead. World Health Organization. And as you know, they made a statement on June on January 14th, I guess it was, that there was no human-to-human transmission. Well, there was. They probably made that statement in the second or third week of December in addition, but they made it very powerfully on January 14th. And uh, they criticized me very strongly when I said that we're going to shut down flights coming in from China, and especially from certain parts of China, but from China generally. We were criticized very badly. So last year... And for many years, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars has been paid to the World Health Organization, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And last year was $452 million, and China paid $42 million. Before that, it was $500 million, and China paid less than $40 million. And before that, it was... Similar numbers in the 400s, 300s, and sometimes even in the 500s of millions of dollars. And China would do uh, proportionally just a small fraction of that number. And by the way, the first thing Joe Biden did was rejoin the World Health Organization, right? Because Trump pulled us out, which was the smartest thing ever. I loved it. And again, when he, he was so honest about it, like, I become president. What do I know? World Health Organization sounds wonderful. Sounds marvelous. And then you see what's really going down. Then you see what they're really all about. The United Nations, anti-American, anti-Israel. Um, hey, Justice Clarence Thomas is not in the news lately. Uh, the fake news really tried to beat him up and tried to take him out over a bunch of nonsense. Gosh, you know what? This is America, and you're still allowed to make friends, and you're still allowed to spend time. You know, so he uh, has this friend, Harlan Crow. Very well-to-do man. And uh, Harlan Crow would invite him up to upstate New York, and they'd go fishing together. And somehow this is some sort of big scandal. Oh, we accepted a gift. He accepted this. He accepted that. Uh, the reporting was horrific, totally one-sided, totally lacked context, totally uh, did not raise the very real implications, very real ethical um, problems that people like Sotomayor have, Justice Sotomayor, so there's this guy, Mark Paoletta, a lawyer in D.C., very sharp guy, close to Clarence Thomas. I think he helped get him confirmed, and he's a he's a veteran of the Trump White House. He wrote in the Wall Street Journal. It's beautiful. The first attack in the left spring offensive against the U.S. Supreme Court was an April 6th ProPublica hit piece about Justice Clarence Thomas. The site quotes ethics experts who accuse him of violating federal law by not disclosing trips he had taken with a longtime friend. The accusation turns out to be old news that was adjudicated more than a decade ago. For over 20 years, ProBubica breathlessly declared Thomas has been treated to luxury vacations by billionaire Republican donor Harlan Crow. 
He goes on cruises in far-flung locales on Crow's yacht, flies on his private jet, and keeps company with Crow's powerful friends at the billionaire's private resort. But in June 2011, the New York Times reported that Mr. Crow had hosted the justice aboard his private jet and his 161-foot yacht and at his Grand Adirondacks summer estate called Top Ridge. It's all the way back in June of 2011. Based on that story, 20 Democratic members of Congress, led by the late Representative Louise Slaughter of New York, released a letter dated September 29, 2011, to the Judicial Conference of the United States, in which they alleged that Justice Thomas failed to disclose this travel as a gift or travel reimbursement on his federal disclosure forms as required by the Ethics in Government Act. Common Cause and the Alliance for Justice also released a letter on September 13, 2011, to the Judicial Conference making similar allegations. Uh, he points out here that he's friends with uh, Clarence Thomas and... Uh, and uh, he, uh, Mr. Crow, the Ethics and Government Act assigns the judicial conference composed of federal judges the authority to implement the statute for the judiciary. The conference referred the 2011 allegations to its committee on financial disclosure, which consisted of 16 judges and was chaired by Judge Joseph McKinley, Jr., a Clinton appointee. The committee's deliberations are in public. But in a May 15th, 2023 letter to Sheldon Whitehouse, that jerk senator from Rhode Island, the conference revealed that Judge McKinney reviewed the allegations and took the extra step of asking its subcommittee on compliance to review the issues. Result. In April of 2012, the committee issued a report in which, quoting the conference's 2023 letter, Judge McKinley indicated based on his review of all documentation and discussion by the committee members that nothing to support a determination that Justice Thomas willfully or improperly failed to disclose information concerning travel reimbursements. <coughs> the thing was raised and adjudicated, and he found that he did nothing wrong over 12 years ago. The conclusion got little or no attention at the time, but the original complaints were publicized. On Twitter, I asked ProPublica's reporters and their editor, Jesse Isinger, if they had asked the Judicial Conference about its investigation, Mr. Isinger refused to answer, not going to play Twitter call and response. The article still contains no mention of this crucial fact. It's amazing, actually. They left out that huge, <laughs> everybody forgets or nobody bothers to look anymore. They just make up their mind about something and they go and they write it and they, and they just say it. If they back it up with facts... They're very selective about the facts, right? You ignore facts that undermine the story that you want to tell, and you highlight the facts that will advance your argument, but won't advance the truth. There's a big difference. Sandra in New Jersey, hi. Bonjour, Greg. Comment allez-vous? Oh, come on. Oh, all right. You don't Hello. speak French. Do you, like that you don't speak I, French. I took it in school. Well, so did I. I did. A long time oh, ago. I thought I'd do something different. Bonjour. Okay. Listen, I was thinking about um, Biden and, and RFK. Such a contrast. You know, the physician that took care of Trump and um, Obama, he basically said what they're doing to this man, Biden, is almost like malpractice in, in, the, in the part of the White House, the West Wing. He should not be doing this. He should be having a walker. He should be getting cognitive tests that we, the public, should be able to see. 
this is very, very, very not fair. And I always think his wife was no angel either to allow him to be doing this. Then I think, then I read about RFK today. He supports the uh, Second Amendment for guns. He wants people to have them. And he feels very strongly about drugs. And he thinks that is what's causing the um, the shootings that we're having because... Hey, I um, know. Listen, I've been talking about that, too. Uh, Kennedy is impressing people. I met him last week, by the way. I've met him before, but I talked to him last week. He's much taller than I thought. He's actually a pretty rugged guy. And you know what's interesting? The voice thing that really distracted me for a while, everybody's over it. Nobody cares what he sounds like. He's got a uh, you know, condition with his uh, voice, and everybody's used to it by now. It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. And, yeah, all the people uh, taking these drugs, you know, Trump pointed out, you know, we have been, <laughs> we've been swimming in guns in this country for our entire history. In our entire history, there have been guns all over the place. But only in the past couple of decades have we started to see these uh, mass shootings in schools. Is there a correlation between all the psychotropic drugs that we're prescribing? Yes, obviously, in my opinion. Obviously. But is it ever discussed? No, because the pharmaceutical uh, industry does not want it discussed. There's, so they never go there. They just talk about new rules and new laws. And Chicago, as my friend pointed out, has more laws than any municipality in the world. And look at what the hell's going on in Chicago. Look at what, look at that. Look at that. They don't care. They don't care. Remember. Remember, it's, it's such a tragic thing. Black lives only matter when they're taken by a white cop. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. It does, isn't that crazy? Isn't that horrible? It only matters when uh, a white cop takes a black life. That way you can get power, money, and attention, which is all anybody seems to want these days. I'll be right back. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You really go after the one who's second, and I think the one who's second is going down so much and so rapidly that I don't think he's going to be second that much longer. I think he's going to be third or fourth. He had a very bad day today. He got very angry at the press. You're not allowed to get angry at the press. Let me, let me, at the fake news, he got angry. That's uh, Trump talking about DeSantis, and I think he's right. But who would be the guy who's going to take over from DeSantis? Who would be the person who would uh, vault over him? I have no idea. Vivek Ramatswamy? Could it be him? I tell you what, other than Trump, he's my favorite so far. At first, I thought he had a lot of chutzpah running for president. I mean, who the hell are you, Bow? But... I like what he's been saying. And he's got stamina. And he's got guts. Meanwhile, Asa Hutchinson, is he going to do it? No. Nikki Haley, no way. Mike Pence. Hey, golly gee, Willikers, um, the governor of New Hampshire, said he's not getting in the race. He will not do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, just... Um, 
Not feeling it right now. In other words, he would lose badly and probably be totally humiliated. Did you see my show on Friday night? I, I went through all the polls showing how Joe Biden is less popular than Lyndon Johnson in 1968. How Joe Biden is less popular than Jimmy Carter in 1980 when he was screwing up the Iran, Iranian hostage crisis. And what did those years see? Very viable uh, opponents in the same party emerge uh, to oppose a, an incumbent president of the same party. Eugene McCarthy, Robert F. Kennedy, later Hubert Humphrey. Uh, let's see. And for Jimmy Carter, it was Ted Kennedy. And look at the, look at him. Skinny, dumb, and stupid. Skinny, smiling, and stupid Joe Biden falling down, pretending that this is all normal. The media giving ample cover, pretending it's all normal. Where are the big time Democrats? Why aren't they stepping forward right now? Because they're more loyal to the party than to the country. You know, this is America. You're allowed to do things, but everyone's waiting for permission or a green light from some secret consortium. Of powerful people. What? George Soros, Barack Obama, Susan Rice, the people who are really running the country, they have to give the go ahead for somebody like Gavin Newsom to uh, take the plunge, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. This did happen though, actually. Uh, and it worked. Lyndon Johnson, <laughs> he was so unpopular. He knew he couldn't be reelected president, even though he could have uh, run. Cut 34, please. Cut 34. I shall not seek. And I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. Hmm. Pretty interesting, right? And Joe Biden is less popular than Lyndon Johnson. Here's a great example of uh, when the media does report on the fall, Joe Biden's horrible uh, catastrophic fall. This is how they spin for him. Cut 33. Almost every recent president has taken a tumble in public at some point. One of the downsides, Nora, of being followed by cameras everywhere they go. Nancy Cordes, thank you. If I were the anchor, I'd be like, Nancy Cordes, you're fired. <laughs> Nancy Cordes, you think this is just because uh, just because he's unfairly scrutinized by cameras? That's that's the only thing. We all take a tumble. Every president takes a tumble. Four times? Three times in one one flight of steps when he went on Air Force One, falling off that bike, falling down the stairs in Japan. This is all normal. It's not. It's not. Now, the media, they have their head in the sand, or they're waiting to be told what to do and what to say. In the meantime, I think that uh, they're calling Michelle Obama. Yep, Michelle Obama. That's who will be the nominee, ultimately. Remember where you heard it. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we have a special guest today. His name is Ed Hagem, and uh, he is a superstar on Wall Street, made a fortune, all right? Worked for some of the big guys, E.F. Hutton, Lehman, Hum, uh, Lehman Brothers, uh, became a CEO of uh, 
various firms, including Firm and Seltz. But way back when, when he was a way little tyke, he was an orphan. He was bouncing around from orphanage to orphanage and foster home to foster home. And um, how it's, it's a really, really tough way to start life, okay? Um, but he was determined. He got himself a great education. He served his country in the United States Navy and uh, went on to have an amazing career in finance and uh, raised an awesome family, three grown children, eight grandchildren. And now he's, well, he's giving back. He's writing down everything he knows. This is his second book. It's called The Island of the Four Peas, a modern fable about preparing for your future by Ed Hagem. And Ed Hagem, welcome to the show. How are you? Greg, I'm great. Good. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. So, uh, yikes. Orphanage. You started off in an orphanage. Tell us a little bit about, uh, that kind of life. And, and, and forgive me, but you're, 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 you're this 80 something at this point. So this is, uh, <laughs> as a young fellow, as a six year old says, He's six and three quarters. I'm 86 and three quarters. <laughs> well, I'm guessing that orphanages, when you were a kid, weren't exactly uh, state-of-the-art facilities. So what was that like? No, they, they weren't fun places. And they, you know, you go back and you forget what an orphanage was in the, in the 40s and 50s. It was a different kind of place. There was a, a you know, rites of passage and everything else. But, but it was better than some of the, the foster homes I was in. So it, it worked out pretty well. And all my life, it seemed to get a little bit better going from foster homes to orphanages was a, actually a good situation. My goodness but gracious. It started out with mom and dad not getting along, you know, and, and uh, getting divorced and my father kidnapping me and then realizing he didn't know what to do with a three-year-old because he was a, an, a, a radio operator on a merchant ship. So therefore I ended up in five foster homes. And for a while I lived in the, uh, <clears throat> the YMCA on 34th Street and then the hotel in Coney Island and a couple of orphanages. But, you know, it's, it's America, and I was very lucky go on to college and, as you say, serve in the service and have a wonderful career. And, and now I have a wonderful family. I'm a very lucky guy. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, do me a favor, though. When you're when you're bouncing around from school, uh, from orphanage to foster family, it's got to be tough to uh, to excel in school. I mean, I, I, how do you how did you pull that off? Well, in, in my early grades, I read one of my report cards and it said, Eddie seems like a bright boy, but he's so mischievous we can't tell. So for my early life, I I, reje- I was angry and, and rejected everything. But in my in my uh, sophomore, freshman, sophomore year in high school, I saw the answer, which was uh, private education. I saw that I went to a high school where eighty percent of the kids went to private colleges, and I said, "That's my ticket." So I put my head down and and you did what they did. I worked hard. I was an athlete and loved math and science, and luckily got through the whole thing. But that was it. And there were heroes in those days. And in the movies on Saturday afternoon, you went there, and the people in the movies, you know, John Wayne's of the world, and this, uh, Jimmy Stewart, they, they, set up, they set up sort of hero. You know, you could say they, they did well. Also, the Catholic Church did a good job for me. The nuns taught you the golden rule and a lot of other rules. And if you didn't abide by the rules, you got the golden ruler. So <laughs> I had some good rules. And my father, although he abandoned me, would always send me messages about, you know, cleanliness and next to godliness. You got to be a good kid. Work hard. He sent those messages. He wasn't there, but in his messages. So those three things sort of gave me the support that I needed. And of course, uh, you can never, 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 never degrade America because America allows people like me to do what I did. Wow. All right. Look, I want to get to the book in a moment, but first, you start off in in, in corporate America. I would imagine it was a, an entry level type position of some kind, right? Right. 
Mm-hmm. What was your first job? Well, I was job? an engineer for a while. I was working in plastics before Dustin Hoffman. I, I spent some time working in polyethylene and polypropylene, then went on to business school, and then had your entry job into the financial industry. So you go to the very, very top, and, you know, a lot of people enter, and uh, but most people obviously don't make it to the top. If there's one thing that you did, or many things, but what what was different about you? I mean, how do how did you make it to the top? I think that it, it sounds too simple, but continue to ask yourself what's next, so you don't get stuck. In other words, let me give you a simple example. When I was at E.F. Hutton, they were a big retail firm, and I was convinced the next step in, in for securities business was institutional. There'd be a shift between the retail business and institutional business. Lehman Brothers wanted to be in the institutional business. So I left Hutton, even though I loved the management there and I had a great job, to go to Lehman Brothers because they were going into the institutional business. They were building a large trading desk to handle large orders. And so I went there. It wasn't the greatest place in the world, but they were going in the right direction. And, of course, later on when I ran my own firm, Herman Sells, when I was the CEO and chairman, I basically ask my people every year, what's next? What are we going to do different? What are we going to do unique to, to keep our momentum going? Even in running the golf course, which I'm involved with, you know, I always ask you know, my partners on the board, what are we going to do for our, our members next year? What's next? Sounds corny, but really that's what's kept made, made my career looking back at it. And by the way, the book helped me find that out. I love it. All right. What's next? What is next? Uh, things are evolving. You got to... You gotta change. You gotta adapt. You gotta uh, see where things are moving. All right, the island of the four P's. Uh, I'm gonna see. Let's see here. What? What? Uh, the four P's. Let me see if I. Uh, I don't want to give it all away, but uh, what are the what are the four <laughs> P's? Book, right? What are the four P's? Passions, principles, partners, and plans. Find your passions. Overused word, but it's your talents, your interests, and so forth, and it's contextual. When you, you know, when, when you start to exercise it, find your principles, the rules you can live by. Find the partners. I have found that I'm only as good as the people I surround myself with. And using these three Ps, write down your plans. So even though there's turns in the road, the turns in the road won't be the end of the road because you've got a plan. Young people ask me, give me one idea. And I say, write down where you want to go and how you think you might get there. And the book basically is about a young man who tries to answer these questions because in the book, there's no right and wrong. All of us are unique. Each person's got to answer these questions for himself because we're all different. Well, let me ask you this. You grew up in the orphanage. You were around the nuns, and they taught you the golden rule and uh, the Catholic Church. And um, I would imagine, you know, your 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 principles and passions, were they influenced by faith? I mean, for me, you know, look, I mean, or for a lot of people, you know, they're passions and principles, especially principles, vary wildly from person to person. And, you know, there are some places or there is a place we can go to get some great principles, uh, the Bible. But do me a favor. Tell me a little bit more about that. I don't know. I mean, are we are we capable of coming up with our own principles uh, when they've been laid down by the big guy? Well, the big guys laid them down. I mean, I think the Catholic Church, I wasn't a Catholic, but I was in the Catholic system for five years. And I learned, you know, the golden rule, do unto others. I learned the Ten Commandments. I learned the, the shalls and shall nots. And as a young person, that was embedded in me. Now, later on, some of those got modified and changed a bit as I went through life. But I continued to add principles. I mean, simple business principles for me, like, let me give you one principle I learned early in my life. 
You can do almost anything if you don't care who gets the credit. I wrote that principle down. I put it on my board, and it helped me. In fact, I went one step further. As I got older, I started to deflect credit. That's what I mean by principle. You know, one of my principles on Wall Street was to live happy is to live hidden. In other words, don't go into the press. Don't go on television. But when you're selling books like I am or trying to get people to read your books, you got to abandon that principle. You get a new principle, which is obviously try to tell your story. So it's principles you click through on your entire life. And so you start, though, you've got to start with the ones, as you said, they're founded, you know, like the golden rule that we can get you through most of the decisions. You have to also figure the lines you won't cross, things you won't do. And I must say, in my life, I start early recognizing certain things I would never do. And again, the Catholic Church helped there, and people surrounding me. I had mentors that said, here's, here's, here's right and wrong. You make that, and you sort of embed that in your system, you'll come out okay. What uh, it's can you? I, it's all fascinating. And again, the the, the book here, we got to get it. The Island of the Four Peas, uh, a modern fable about preparing for your future. I've heard that before, and this is it's a hard one for me to get my head around. Uh, you can accomplish anything you want if you're not afraid of who gets the credit, or if you're allowed to let somebody else get the credit. Um, yeah. Can you give me an example of that? How do, how does that actually work? Well, and, you know, if you try it sometime, have some fun. Somebody says to you, hey, Greg, you did a great job. Then say, no, you know, I did, but Rich, you know, my, my tech guy, if I didn't have him, I wouldn't have it done. What happens right away is you feel pretty good. The person who just asked you the question or said you did feels good. And when Rich finds out, he feels good. And so your whole system gets raised. All right, but that's – that... also recognize that's an interesting phenomenon as far as I was concerned. You're just one principle, but that, that worked for me. Okay, so sharing the credit, sharing the credit, but uh, sharing the credit. Yeah. But by the way, you never do anything alone in today's world, given the requirements of technology, as you know and I know. And I obviously couldn't do anything without my wife. That's for sure. I mean, she made she makes half the decisions at least. <laughs> huh. All right, and I'm looking here. Wait a second. Fifty-seven years you've been married. Fifty-seven years. Yep. Wow. All right. So you could write a book about marriage. Uh, well, what's the key to a good marriage? Uh, someone said this before I did, but it's my it's my favorite expression. Uh, the best marriage is a marriage of two forgivers. <laughs> the best marriage is a marriage of two forgivers. All right. Yeah. Let's face well, it. It, it seems like a marriage, marriage has four. I had my son asked me to marry my my son. My son in law asked to marry my daughter. I gave him four words. I gave him love. You have to love my daughter. That's an emotional experience. You got to be committed to her. That's an intellectual experience. The third thing is. You gotta be willing to compromise. And then second of all, and last of all, one of the most important things in marriage is being able to point in life to sacrifice. And that's what some people were not willing to do. All right. Hey, one more those question. Words, I love it. I love it. One more question. Uh, wait, before those four words, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, first of all, love, which is emotional, nothing to do with anything except you feel it. Commitment, that's an intellectual experience. The third word is compromise, you know, where you come together for decisions. And then there's sacrifice, doing something you really don't want to do. Like your your wife gets a great job in Chicago. Yeah. You don't want to go to Chicago, but she's the breadwinner. You go to Chicago in today's world. All right, good. That's a sacrifice. I needed to hear that again, and uh, I'm glad we got that out there because my next question is a little bit self-indulgent or whatever, but I – look, you made many, 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 many millions of dollars. When you first started to really make it financially um, – how did you indulge yourself? Was there some, you know, something you really wanted to buy, a fancy car, a watch? Was there was there some item you treated yourself to? Yes, I was very lucky. 
I didn't have a home. Never had a home, and never had a home. You know, until I well, I was I didn't have a home until I was I don't know almost thirty years old. So I basically, I basically we have nice homes, and I'm very lucky because real estate in America has been a good place to be. So when I, when I was sold my company the first time, and I got some real money, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, it was real money. Nineteen eighty-seven. I went around and bought places that I might someday want to live. Places like Vale, Colorado, Ocean Reef, Florida, Nantucket. I bought little positions like a, a lot or a condominium and so forth. That's what, that was my indulgence. I'm not a big car person, not a boat person, but living, having a home was very special to me. And you know, I just said something. Well, at one point in my life, I had no homes, and at one point in my life, I had five homes. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. I two left. I only two left. <laughs> uh, Ed Hagem, the name of the book, The Island of the Four Ps, A Modern Fable About Preparing for Your Future by uh, Ed Hagem. What a life. What an experience. Uh, hey, thanks so much for being with us, and good luck with the book. Uh, Greg, thanks for having me. You have a great day, all right? You bet. You bet. Take care. And, uh, hey, you should do me a favor and check out the uh, WABC website, wabcradio.com. You know who was awesome over the weekend? I know you, I know a lot of you people in the audience have beef with him, uh, but he's a very smart guy, and uh, he's very open and honest about his mistakes. Um, Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner came out and said that the, uh, the Democrats have buried their head in the sands about Joe Biden, especially the fall, and he – created this fascinating scenario imagine if it's uh, september of 2024 and he's walking across the stage and he you know he falls down and he breaks his head open uh that's going to be political chaos and uh he's the only democrat i have heard out loud acknowledge that so uh good for him i'll be right back first the bad news sap business ai won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, that that uh, other show, The View. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Bad, bad. What's that woman's name again? Houston, SUNY Houston. Uh, just terrible treatment of Tim Scott. I'm going through it right now. Uh, do I make a big deal out of it or not? I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes uh, you know, so much of society these days is becoming, somebody said something. I'm fired up about it. I got to call it out. You know what I mean, Dan? Dan in Stanford, Connecticut, hello. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Good. So uh, I was finally able to find that documentary, 2000 Mules, over the weekend. And uh, I think everyone needs to see this. Um, it's shocking. It's jaw-dropping. But what's also shocking is how hard it is to find. Because I, I've been looking for this for months, and I haven't been able to find it. I'm surprised to hear that. Uh, I saw it, you know, pretty much when it came out. And, uh, I, uh, you know, no problem. I watched it. Uh, but I, I'm not disbelieving you. I could see them trying to make it hard to, for people to find. Yeah, everybody should see 2000 Mules. And also the other movie that's very easy to find right now, at least. What is a woman by Matt Walsh? I'll look into that 2000 Mules thing, Dan. Thank you very much. Uh, Christine. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Hi. You know what? I'm so sick of our compromised president who advocates grooming of children 
spends way too much attention to catering to people for me and over um, energizing people for this horrible Pride Month. Uh, <laughs> is this madness ever going to stop, Greg? Yeah, it's getting madder and madder too. It's getting. Uh, although I want to, I, I kind of feel like I saw fewer pride flags this morning than I did this week last year. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, is it is it more intense than last year, or as intense, or less intense? What? I try to think it is. I've seen more people geared up for Pride Day stuff. Well, all the I had a little problem with the Pride celebration in my city. I snuck in after work. But I bought a new Pride shirt that says "Let's Go Branded" with an American flag on it, and that didn't go over well with the Rainbow Mafia, Greg. Okay, love it. Thank you, Christine. Keep it up. Keep the fight up. Uh, Warren, hello. Hey, Greg. Uh, I just wanted to uh, mention about the New York Times uh, yesterday. I, I don't read it, but um, my uh, used to be friend uh, quoted it as the. Uh, record the paper of record when he was uh, defending the uh, fake peach and Trump uh, fake Trump impeachment. Um, I just happened to see in uh, Miranda Devine's column t- column today how the Times was uh, backing up Biden and saying how, how he was sharp as attack, sharp and wise at critical moments, the product of decades of seasoning, able to rise to the occasion even in the dead of night, to confront a dangerous world. Yeah, I saw that story. It's a very weird story. I mean, they say stuff like that, but if you read between the lines, they kind of say, but his age is an issue, and then Democrat donors are talking about it nonstop. You know, the news should be straightforward. It should be. Nobody's saying those things, oh, by the way, about the wisdom. I mean, and if they are saying them, they're lying. They're spinning, and reporters are supposed to be above that by now. Uh, they They are about everything else, it seems, uh, Anyway, yeah, it's a really disgraceful piece. So weird. But I also don't like what's happening. The conservative media, I think we spend way too much time reacting to what the liberals do, and then the liberals keep on doing it, and then we react, and they do, and we react, and they do, and uh, on and on it goes. Uh, and they keep, I think we have to forge our own path more and more. I'm thinking more and more about that in uh, some interesting ways. Thank you, pal. Uh, Barbara, hello. Hi, Greg. Happy, uh, what is it, Monday, Tuesday? I lose track of the days. Um, I was watching your show a couple of times about the Memorial Day speaker that you heard who said that we may need another greatest generation to get us out of what we're in now. And Samuel Adams said that. He said, if ever a time should come when vain and aspiring men possess the highest seats in government, our country will stand in need of its experienced patriots to prevent its ruin. And we have experienced patriots. They're all around us. They're listening to your program. They are all around us, and they know what our country is about, and they can be the greatest generation. It's within each of us who have liberty branded on our hearts and souls. It's within each of us to be a patriot, to prevent the ruin of our country. In your book, you said we should come together. We can certainly and should do that. But on our own, each one of us of any age, any place in life, can do things to help preserve the liberty in our country. I love it, Barbara. Could you do me a favor? Send me that Sam Adams quote. I will do that. It's I the same will. Sam Adams from the beer bottle, right? Uh, yeah, 
exactly. Yeah, I don't a, think he was way, great. But. He was great. You know, and the system is supposed to be like that. You mentioned, uh, you know, patriots. You know, uh, some of the people who signed the Declaration of Independence. I think a bookmaker was on there. A candle, literally, a candlestick maker, a blacksmith. You know, you don't have to be a professional government hand uh, to be uh, part of our system, to be a senator, to be a president, to be a vice president. Um, It's not supposed to work that way. The founding fathers knew that, and uh, they don't want us to realize that today's swamp. Great stuff as usual, Barbara. Thank you all. I will see you on the Newsmax show tonight at 10 p.m. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.